0: All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Sunday. We're continuing this uh, series we're doing called Conversations with Leaders We Love. And so we brought on John Horry, who lives in California. So that's why it's via Zoom. So it's if it's not up to your standards of quality, uh, you know, that's just something we'll have to deal with <laughs> as a church. Uh, we're doing our best. So we have John here and we're going to, he, he works for C Jesus. As you guys know, we've been using a lot of the C Jesus. Uh, things throughout the years john's been a huge influence on us personally on our prayer lives on how we look at jesus how we teach jesus how we know jesus and so we thought it would be great to have john who's uh one of the regional directors of see jesus and just ask him a, a handful of questions that i think relate to our church right now as well as uh, relate to like the time we're in as the church in America, even globally, and just how we can, uh, just better know Jesus and love Jesus in this time. And so John, thanks for being here. Uh, one of the, one of the big reasons I wanted to to do this with you, John, was I, I love your heart for, for Jesus. I love your heart, for your, uh, your relationship mm-hmm. with Christ and, um, something I've noticed, in myself, in our congregation, when, when I'm having conversations with people during this time is they, they're kind of going like, man, I'm just so exhausted. I'm just so tired. I just, I don't, I, I don't really have much of a relationship with, with Christ right now. And, and it's because life is so different. And because we don't have the Sunday moment like we used to have the Sunday moment and, and, and all sorts of things. And, and connected to that over the last few months, I've really been dwelling on this idea of abiding in Christ. And and what does like I'm like, just me going like, what does that mean? Like, what does it mean to abide in Christ? It feels it's like such a weird phrase to me. Sometimes when I read that chapter in John, I'm just like, what does that even mean? Like, am I doing
1: this? Right. Like, nobody uses that language outside of like the big Lebowski <laughs> Yeah. Like the dude abide. <laughs> is like is everyone's context for yes. the word abide? And sure. you just
0: yeah. hit, you hit all our, our Gen X crowd really connected to that. Uh, <laughs> <you so> <laughs> that yeah. analogy, um, Yeah. And so, so anyways, I've been, I've been dwelling on that. I've been thinking about that, John. I know I've been in different times where you've taught on what it means to abide in Christ. So I, here, here's my first question for you, John, what, that idea of abiding in Christ, I think it's a huge part of see Jesus. Uh, and the ministry you guys do how how would you just define abiding in christ before we talk more about that
2: yeah well before even um answering that uh, it is i'm grateful to be on with you guys very rare do i get to be on with Vinny g uh, <laughs> and, you know i've only heard about Vinny g uh, i've yeah. only heard rumors so to actually be live with Minnie G is is a privilege. Part of CPS has approached us. Whatever, yeah, <laughs> yeah, so CBN, uh, CBN. That's CBN. Right, CBN. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's my pleasure, and it, and it was a it was a pleasure to discover not only that I'm a leader, but I'm a leader that's actually loved. So that's what a joy. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I think you, you kind of hit it on the head, Anthony, just the idea of what abiding looks like. And it's not an easy thing to just kind of, it's not a common language. It's not something we, we talk about uh, commonly, but in scripture, especially in John 15 and other places, uh, Jesus is talking about abide in me. And so uh, in certain translations, you might see it uh, translated as remain, Mm-hmm. uh, there and, and regardless of how it's translated, there's there's kind of this overall a sense of connectedness of relationship. And I think there's there's kind of um, there's kind of a fact and a function to it in the sense that uh, abiding in Christ is n- the, the fact is is it's not based on how much you can do and how hard you try and all of that. So so being in Christ, is really an act of grace uh, that's entered in through faith and just trusting in the death and resurrection of Jesus. Um, the function of it as Jesus kind of, in light of that talks, especially in John, uh, the gospel according to John, is, is there's, a, there, there's a function, there, there, there's, a, there's a intentionality in light of the fact of being in Christ to actually remain, connect, uh, relate, uh and so there's a there's it's not just an esoteric thing it's something that actually is personal and so the confusion is not just only in terms of this fact and function but also just well what does it look like right then in a relational way
1: right
0: yeah that's good i i I like that um yeah i I like rooting it in grace you know and just how no matter what we are but then also what you're saying that kind of second component of connecting to Christ and, and, and what that means. Well, let me ask this before, I'm going to probably ask another question about that. Like what does it mean to connect to Christ uh, or abide in him? But mm-hmm. why do you think, you know, as we talk to people and, and get how their relationship with Christ has been over the last few months, why do you think this season has made it difficult for people, to feel connected to Christ yeah. or, yeah, you know, what is it about this time that these yeah. last few months has really made people go like, man, I just, I'm not feeling that. I'm not, I don't know if I'm abiding in Christ. Like what, why, why do you think that's happening?
2: Yeah. I think there's a sense that, um, uh, the discomfort is doesn't feel good, but it's not necessarily a horrible thing so uh what we may be discovering not in every case but in in some instances in the discomfort of what we're feeling everything is kind of uh uh, not normal and so when you're in a not normal season let alone a, a gigantic you know huge season like this where everything or very little is normal right then that sense of discomfort naturally brings rise to uh, things that were already there that we just weren't aware of. So so um, even when I felt like I was actually doing well in Christ, in my relationship with him, abiding in him, um, there were other things that were going on that I was abiding in that I may have been unaware of because it was part of the everyday ebb and flow of my comfortable life. Once you take that comfort of my everyday life out, all of a sudden, the things that I was actually abiding in they're no longer, it's uncomfortable because they're no longer giving me uh, the comfort nor the, the uh, help that I need. Right. And, and so, I mean, it could be, I was in, in my job. Uh, my job, maybe I don't have my job now. Uh, maybe I don't uh, like my job. Maybe my job is no longer fulfilling because I have to do it in a different way uh, or I have to work from home. Uh, maybe it was, I was in school. Uh, And I didn't realize how much my dreams, my future, my decisions were so enmeshed and based on what school I got into or what major I chose or uh, whether I could go and move on in my education. Uh, Maybe we were in ministry and, you know, ministry is not a horrible thing. None of these things are a horrible thing, but I found my purpose, my, my, identity, my peace, my all in ministry. And now ministry has taken on a totally different shape. Uh, it could be family, it could be, you know, you name it. And again, none of these things are horrible things, but if that's the primary rooted uh, identity and peace that I've been living out of or swimming in, yeah, then that those things are not bad things. They are just unable to carry the weight of what we expect them to. Yeah, and once the pressure is actually applied visibly in our discomfort, then we're seeing those things not only exposed, but there the pressure is kind of uh, crumbling the foundation of uh, a foundation we may not even have been aware of that we are functioning in.
1: Right. So it doesn't it mean feels, you're not. A- right. It feels a lot like a, you know Peter telling us we're refined by fire. You know, so the fire comes and the impurities come to the top, and so just seeing these things. Would you would you label some of the stuff, like the things, the other things we've potentially been abiding in, you know, coming into this season, with, with would you characterize those as idols? Would that be a similar terminology to
2: use? Yeah, I mean, they, they could be idols, uh, anything that we obviously give our full energy or our worship uh, to rather than God. Um, but like I said, you know, some things are blatantly sinful, but the things I just mentioned are not necessarily horrible things. Right. And so it's not so much always wrong loves, but you know, Augustine talked about they're misordered loves. Right. So, where we thought we loved Christ most, we abided in Christ most, we lived out of our relationship with Christ most, and everything else fell in order, maybe at times or over time, and especially at least for me in my life, when life gets more comfortable, I don't realize the order of things kind of got mis- misordered of, of my loves. Mm -hmm. and so right now possibly for some of us what's being exposed is uh, the idols of the heart or just misordered loves Mm -hmm. and so that's eye-opening um that can be humbling um and if we're not so then again if we're not rooted in christ by grace then we begin to question well was i saved ever and all those things and that may not necessarily be the problem um, and so the problem may not necessarily be the fact of, of being in Christ, it may just be the function of how we're living out that reality in relationship to the other loves of the world. Yeah. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah,
1: that's good.
2: Yeah,
0: honestly, I feel like when I when I first met you and and when I first was hearing some of these ideas, I feel like it helped me to understand what abiding in Christ truly is. Like for the first time in my life, like I I, I had some of a grasp of it, but mm-hmm. I think even like when you put it in those terms of like, I'm in Christ, or I'm in family, or I'm in my job, or I'm in school or whatever it is. That, like, that, yeah. I think it's like really helpful for us to think through it. And I'm, I'm highlighting that so that our church like perks up and listens to that. And for us to begin to go, okay, what am I in? Like, what am I abiding in? And even you kind of use this, like, Swimming analogy or like what pool you're in, I heard you, I think you said that, like, even thinking through that, like, what's the pool we're swimming in? Like, what is it? And ultimately our de- our identity, it is in Christ, mm-hmm. but it feels like we choose to jump in all these other pools. And that's why uh, the disconnect begins to happen in certain ways, even though our right. ultimate identity right. is in Christ, no matter what, we're abiding in him. Um,
1: yeah. And I think there's a, there's an attachment there that seems to be I think the lord has always seems to be confronting these these false things we're abiding in right in life in order to draw us to himself and and i think to the church you know to his to god's people but um i think what we've seen a little bit is just that because the sunday experience has also been taken away in the midst of all of this mm-hmm. that then it's almost like people are kind of looking around like, where do I run to now? Because Sunday was the moment that like I attached myself to God. And and so it's it's almost like
0: we were in Sundays. Like like Sundays superseded Christ in some
1: way. Yeah, in the service. yeah, And so I think it's it's exposing, that's what I'm seeing even in my own heart and then in, in a lot of our people is just this exposure of like abiding in Christ meant for the most part attendance in a service Hmm. and now i'm being called to something different because that's not there and it it feels Hmm. disorienting i think for people yeah
2: so that's a great point because you know sunday morning obviously sunday morning services are are not a bad thing at all they're they're a good and necessary thing yeah but anything can become an idol or you know and, and so we're discovering that if I was solely dependent upon being in Christ, in my relationship, uh, in my security, uh, through only Sunday morning experience. Then, Sunday morning experience was never meant to carry that weight. Right. It was meant to help us in a variety of ways, and it was a good and proper thing, but it wasn't meant to carry the weight that could only be carried by abiding in Him. Yeah. Um, so, we're also having to rediscover, uh, as the church, how do you uh, heighten and strengthen other parts of who and what the church is and does uh, to be able to en- enhance, encourage, equip uh, that relationship with Jesus? Yeah.
0: Well, let me, uh, I- I'm throwing in a, an extra question in there that I-, I let John know some of the questions we are going to ask before we asked him, church. but let me so that being in Christ that abiding in Christ I feel like we fleshed it out in a lot of ways like what what's the practical component of it what is John what is connecting to Christ look like even in this season do you think or how should we view it differently or what should we do differently because because I, I do think there is that command aspect even though the gospel is the foundation of it like what what does that look so what does? abiding in Christ do you think look like right now for a church that's kind of discombobulated by everything right
2: yeah. now? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think, you know, if you if you think about John 15 uh, mm-hmm. Especially I think it's verses 7 or 8 and following he he talks about abiding And he says abide in me and then almost in the same sentence. He also says ask anything hmm mm-hmm. And then toward the end of that section i think verse 15 or 16 he says the same thing ask or abide and ask
1: Hmm.
2: so they're 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 different things but they're totally related so in other words one of the ways that we abide one of the ways that we connect one of the ways that we relate to jesus is in and through our asking Hmm. and uh whatever i'm asking from jesus or of jesus is uh not only an indication of possibly what I want or what I feel, but in many ways, it's a it's an indication our what we ask is an indication of our hearts. Mm. And so one of the ways that we abide and connect with Jesus relationally is not just through our prayers of what we're asking for. But it's really, in a sense, we're bringing our hearts and in into our asking. Yeah. And so during this season, if we shut down our hearts. Or, and we stop asking because what I want right now is either not happening. Uh, it just seems too selfish. Uh, it exposes my weaknesses. Um, I don't like feeling anxious, and I, I'm you know, and I don't want to ask for help in that. Whatever the reason is, uh, if we shut down our hearts uh, and 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 are not going to Him, then in that sense we are uh, we're not relating uh, we're not abiding in a sense. Yeah. And so the simplest move in this season is to bring our hearts in and through very simple, childlike, honest, open asking. Wow. Yeah, that's really good.
0: Yeah. I love that. I mean, uh, I think, uh, the church tradition I grew up in was very much, uh, focused on asking, but asking with the goal of getting, you know like getting whatever the thing is that you're asking for and uh and i think that there's some biblical validity to, to components of that but uh but even just seeing the connection between asking and abiding and how it's not necessarily that we ask and then god's going to give us this up but that when we ask, we're abiding because we are being like a kid, like, like you're saying, like we're, we're acting like my kids do how they're constantly Mm. asking and in the midst of that asking relationship happens, uh, between me and my kids. And so that that's what a great encouragement to think, man, keep, just keep asking God for everything. Right. And, and then relationship Mm -hmm. is going to
1: happen. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it seems like John 15 is it, it's it's replete with this constant like because the father has done this you know i abide in my love because the father loves so now Mm -hmm. abide in it you know it's so it's always the initiated work of of god Mm -hmm. that has has he's abided with us like he's come to us and so now we can enter into him and, and his love came to us so we can and it's just this constant god has like it you know and it, god's come 100 percent but it makes me think of that like uh if that movie hitch where it's like you go 90 10. you know what i mean like it's like <laughs> yeah, you sure. come 90. Yeah. and uh but it's like it's just that, that i think great kissing advice i know <laughs> I, sorry um but i think just that 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 makes me wanna that makes me freer i think to be yeah. like no i want to i want to like yeah. respond it's so much providing that seems like a response to what god's already doing um and so i think kind of that even that slowing down which has been an opportunity in this season in many ways Mm. um it should move us to the okay let's let's identify what the father has already done that we can respond to it and
2: and yeah Yeah. so if we're talking about what are we swimming in the father's love has filled the pool Mm. so our job is not to fill the pool it's it's there and he's just saying jump right in Mm. and one of the ways we jump right in and, and put ourselves into it is we bring our hearts, and one of the ways that we bring our hearts is, I come and I say, I'm super anxious because my wife is super sick, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm afraid she's. I don't know what to do. And, and this is me talking personally, honestly. I mean, this is these were my prayers in 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 uh, the beginning of March. Uh, I get I get back from a trip from Bangkok right before uh, the pandemic kind of ramps up. And three days later, my my wife gets really sick. So Sonia is super sick. And I'm exhausted for a variety of reasons. And my prayers, uh, you know, late at night were just, Lord, what's going on? Uh, why, why is Sonia still sick? What do I do? Do I push into the ER? Uh, and then, you know, nights later, it's like my mind begins to wander and kind of spiral in some dark places. It's like, what if she doesn't make it? like what's going on Mm
1: -hmm.
2: and so I'm crying out my heart which doesn't sound like a typical like super faithful prayer guy like like (laughs) Lord you are sovereign and I trust you in the middle of that and (laughs) and that's it's not that those things are horrible it's just that that wasn't where my heart was my heart was I'm worried about her I don't know what to do would you heal her Um, and so on and so Part of it is is sometimes if we truly bring our hearts, we're afraid of what we're we're discovering in our hearts, Mm -hmm. like, like, (laughs) Uh and so we're 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 when you're super busy or you're super comfortable or you're super in the flow of things, we don't have time to even recognize what's really going on in our hearts. And Vince, you said it. We're slowing down. We're being forced, and so sometimes it's not so much even just the idols. It's like it's our own hearts that are rising up, and we're like, what is that? Yeah. Why do I feel that way? I don't like feeling that way. I, I definitely don't want God to know that I'm feeling that way. Right. And it is, it is like a kid wanting to ask or, or they feel something or they're doing something. And it's like we're hiding it behind our backs and we're praying and we're praying the right things. But God's going, hey, what's, what's that? What's what? And he can see right over us into our hearts and we're like, oh, that's nothing. That's nothing. Let me keep praying about these things that sound really right and good. And he's like, what is that? And it's like, well, it's this thing and it's kind of bent. And, you know, and he's saying, bring it,
1: mm-hmm.
2: bring your heart. Um, and that's a risky thing. And so part of, part of what we're discovering is, is I'm discovering is that uh, I don't have a problem believing that God's sovereign right now. I think he's in control. I think the, the, the virus didn't surprise him, all of that stuff. But at times we might wrestle with, is that sovereign God still really good?
0: Mm.
2: Because if he sits on the throne and he's good, then I can bring him my heart. Mm. If he's sovereign and in charge, but I'm not sure he's good or I don't think he's good, then, it, then why would I bring him my heart? and so during the season it's not just about hey he's in control but it's like i firmly am and am, am being rooted once again and believing that my father is not only the king but he's an infinitely good and loving king oh, and therefore i can come not only confidently because he's in charge but i can come weakly openly vulnerably because I know he's ultimately, ultimately so, so good.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, so. Yeah, I think that's really, I
0: think that's really hits on like a lot of why we pray the way we pray, or why we do what we do. Let me ask this, John, I think, so I think a huge thing of what you're saying is, man, God is, has shown us he's good. He's told us he's good. He's even reminded us, reminded us that he's good but i feel like so many people this is another curveball question by the way so many people they they they're they're like man i don't know if god's good i don't know if the god of the bible is good even though they they could be really faithful people really believe fully in jesus and the resurrection but they that they're really wrestling with with what exactly what you're saying the goodness of god what how how would you shepherd someone through that how would you guide someone through that process because i think i think me my own person Personally, sometimes I think that's sometimes a thought in the back of my head, like, are you really good? And then I think sometimes it's maybe if I'm honest with myself in the front of my mind too. And so how would you shepherd me through that? How would you shepherd anyone? Well, think-
2: I I think, and you know, we've we've talked about this before in, in a variety of ways. I think um part of the function of praying in that way is um we need to be free to pray what is not good, not just what is good. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is, it's I, I should be free to call a spade a spade uh, that we do live in a broken world, that we have broken people. Lord, it's not good that there is a pandemic going on right now. It was not meant to, uh, to be this way. Uh, it, it's not good that marriages are suffering because we're holed up at home, or that people are who are in abusive relationships are at home. Uh, it's not, and so it's good and it's right to be able to cry out uh, that this is not good. That mm. that's an honest prayer. That's a way of recognizing and not turning a blind eye to the brokenness of this world. Mm. Uh, and 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 so that's, and and yet. It, there is the opportunity to be able to pray into what is good uh, and to say, God, you are still faithful, you are so good. And, and so part of what we're talking about is the structure of a lament. Um, a lament spend, you know, talks about and praying about what's not good and right and what doesn't feel good in this world. And then um there's a portion in a lament structure, like Psalm um 13, you see this where he describes this the, the brokenness and, 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 and what's not good. And then he says, but, and then he goes on to say, I will trust in you, mm-hmm. and I will remember, and I will sing. And so there's a, there's a shift where nothing's changed. The brokenness of the world, his situation has not changed, but it's a matter of the will to hold on to what he still knows is good and right and true. and so so the beauty of the lament is that you have both acknowledgement and prayer of the brokenness of what's going on and what's not right also a a, a proclamation or a prayer of what is still true and good about god Mm -hmm. and the beauty of it is there is permission in a lament which is both freeing and makes us uncomfortable that typically the first is far more weighted than the second Mm. Yeah. In other words, two-thirds, the three-quarters of a lamentful prayer is crying out. And then there's a mustering up of, and yet I'm going to trust in you. Yeah. And that's not a cry of like great faith, like I'm, I'm, I'm climbing up the mountain going, I am just a man of faith. It really, you know, we've we've talked about faith is not so much this gigantic ladder you climb up and go, God, I am just awesomely trusting in right. you. Right. Faith is more like a pit we fall into, going, I don't know what else to do. It's it's like when when in John six when everyone w- walks away from Jesus and he says, Peter, what about you? And Peter kind of goes, Right. Where else am I going to go? Mm-hmm. For I still know and believe that you have the words of eternal life. Right. And that's what faith looks like. It's like, it's not like this climbing the mountain going, I'm gonna do awesome things. It's like, gosh darn it, I this world is broken. I don't even I can't help but still believe and 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 hold on to that you're still working, you're still good. And I don't know where else where else I'm gonna go anyway. I've tried the other ways, I've tried the other places, I've tried these other things, and it does not work. Yeah it seems to you like,
1: I think, uh, in light of the abiding part of this conversation too, and in light of prayer, lament. So I think, and, and and John, you guys and, and Paul and, and the CGS, you guys have taught us a ton about this. And I remember even telling a story once of Paul, like, he was like walking on a baseball diamond or something like that. And she was like praying about everything, you know, or whatever it was. And just this idea of how much of abiding means like you're in a relationship with him, all the time and so accessing that conversation that dialogue and that prayer in the moment because what i think we've seen is these these desires and these laments and these difficulties and these prayers they well up in people but for those who pray it's kind of all right well let me put that in kind of the prayer log for my prayer time this evening and it kind of leaves the day left to then okay well how am i going to still like get through my day and so we attach ourselves to these different things and so i think just this drive to um and i know it's something i've been trying to just do so much better of, like i'm going to talk to you right now you know i'm going to abide in you by asking you right now or lamenting with you right now instead of waiting for you know that moment before i go to sleep um because i think in some ways i think we can almost abide in, in prayer, like we could be in prayer instead of in Christ, you know, and when that becomes mm-hmm. the moment, instead of this continuous relational connection.
2: Oh, that's a, that's a great point, because if prayer becomes the end point and we're in prayer, uh, then prayer becomes laborious, or it becomes something we do at a certain time. But the goal of prayer is never prayer. The goal of prayer is Christ, or being in Christ, or, or abiding, or, and, if we make it about prayer, then it, it won't naturally flow. But if we make it about Christ and his presence in us and with us throughout the day, then it's a natural move of the heart to go to him in prayer. It's not because I have to pray, Oh, this is prayer time. It's because he's in me. He's with me. Yes. And at this moment, I don't know what else to do. Who else is going to help me, but him. Right. And so it, that prayer looks, not always like a prayer time in the morning or at night or whatever although it could include that but it you know I, I use the example of um, I can communicate with my wife four different ways. Uh, I can the best is in-person conversation which can go longer. Uh, maybe second best is maybe a phone call. I can at least hear we can relate live maybe right. third best is email and maybe fourth best is text message
1: Right.
2: And all of them have different functions. And you don't want to only be doing one without the others. But prayers can be the same way. You know, it doesn't always have to be the in person quiet time. Uh, the text prayers that are shooting off during the day, like, you know, Lord, help me, um, uh, just in the moment, help me because I really didn't like what she just said to me or he said to me. I right. um, Help me to remain in you. I, I, I just had that prayer the other day. Yeah. You know, so someone came at me in a, in a conflict and my first thought as they're talking to me is it was literally two things help me to remain in you and help me to listen mm-hmm. i mean that, that was the prayer in my head right
0: wow my prayer is usually i'm gonna defeat this person yeah
2: Well, I've had those moments too. Like, you know, there's the, what are they called? The purgatory uh, psalms of like, you know, crush my enemy. And and every generation there. yeah.
0: That corrects me pretty quickly. But uh,
1: yeah, yeah, that's more like a, that's like a Snapchat prayer. That's a tweet. That's a
0: tweet.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: No, that's super helpful, John. Thanks for sharing all that and and even being personal with us about some of your own personal prayer life. Um, All right. So. I, I, the next question I asked, I think we've kind of answered along the way, but I'm still going to ask it if there's anything else, but to sum up some of the ways, like for us who are having a hard time abiding in Christ, I, I, a handful of things I've noticed that you've said, or we've talked about is one is ask. That's a huge, huge part. Just simply begin this practice of asking God. I mean, to what you just said too, of just realizing God is with us, like God is here. Like there is a um, weird picture of the Christian faith it's almost like we're the crazy person that has this being with us all the time and yeah and it's true we do and so um, so ask realize that God is there uh, two uh, or three I think uh, examining our hearts and our loves and those kinds of things are super important in this time as well but for those so the question that I'll still ask though is how would you shepherd? Our church who specifically they're feeling bogged down they're feeling like just just emotionally worn all of these things i think a lot of the stuff you've said already has been super encouraging a, a great way to shepherd us through that but are there, is there anything else like for those that just feel worn out and tired and like they just can't even abide like they can't even connect they can't even remain they can't even examine their hearts is there anything else you would say to, to shepherd them in that moment John? yeah
2: Well, I'm reminded of the words of Matthew 11 Mm -hmm. and I think it's 28 through 30, you know, the invitation in the context of the passage, there is this context of salvation and all these things, but on a, on a very relational level, the invitation that Jesus gives is, is come to him, all who are weary and heavy laden. Mm -hmm. And in the context of the passage, it was those who are burdened by the law necessarily and all these other things. But I think there is a very relational aspect that Jesus invites those who are heavy, weary and heavy laden, um, not only by the law, but also, and their, their inability to fulfill it, but also what we're experiencing right now. Uh, we're physically weary. Our hearts are weary. Uh, we feel heavy laden. And the promise that he gives is rest, And it doesn't mean uh, only physical rest, but a a rest of the soul. Like what worries me personally for me is not so much when my body is weary, but when my soul is weary. Um, and so when my soul is weary, it takes more intentionality to be aware of that and attentive to that, than it does when my body, like my body, I can, I can just try to sleep better or whatever it is, but a weariness of the soul. Uh, is something that we can't just solely fix by sleeping yeah. that that might help but there's there's a sense that we're being driven back and and so in between the invitation and the promise again is an abiding word which is yoke it's it's that physical you know the yeah. wooden piece of beam that's notched out to yoke up two animals yeah. and you know um I don't know if I have it. Actually, I had a picture before, but it, the, the yoke itself you is
1: yoke. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what was that? I thought you were gonna pull out a yoke. Like I thought I left the well, yoke somewhere. Well, <laughs>
2: I've I, I've asked every rural person that I know if you ever find one that I can buy super cheap. Right. Like you know, an old one. That's uh, I'd love to be able to have that because it, it's such a vivid imagery. Uh, because in the Old Testament being yoked was something that was horrible because it was slavery and pharaoh and all of that stuff and jesus takes that term and says yoke up to me so you have this you know the picture i had was you have this gigantic oxen usually they would you know the beast of the oxen and then you would yoke up a smaller one and the picture i had was it's an old children's book but the the ox this is gigantic ox and then there's this little kid almost hanging by the other side of the, the, the notch. And so Jesus is carrying the bulk of the weight. Uh, he is, and so therefore, he says, This yoke is easy and the burden is light. Right. A- another way of saying it, almost in light of our conversation, is this yoke is good, mm. it's not bad, it's not a yoke of slavery. Mm -hmm. So the invitation he's giving is come, weary and heavy laden, and and he's in some sense is saying, I'm not only in charge, but I'm good. This is not burdensome, and the promise is not just so much physical rest, but a rest for your soul. So the most basic move in the season that I would encourage to finally answer, directly answer Anthony's question, Mm -hmm. is to just, and this sounds so basic, but don't stop coming to him. Mm -hmm. like like don't shut down but I'm not happy bring your unhappiness to him but I'm disappointed bring your disappointment to him I don't feel like coming to tell him that I don't feel like coming to you I don't feel like talking to you today Uh, and so then you know for some it's uncomfortable because well what if I get stuck there Mm
1: -hmm.
2: what if that's all I'm ever saying and that's where i would say just keep the invitation is to keep coming not not get it all right before you come it's not um those who are strong and and carrying the weight it's those who are burdened or weary and heavy laden
1: yeah yeah and that's, so just come we've been um as a staff and a lot of people in our church have been reading have you read uh dane Orland's gentle and lowly have you had a chance to check that i one?
2: just bought it
1: yeah so i mean so it's great right coming out of that passage and and i think that that reality is a, like on top of what you said of just this i think there's this idea of i don't if i go to him i do have to have it all dialed together because he's he's jesus you know he's the king he's you know he's the messiah and he has all of those things and deserves that glory but in that moment when jesus is inviting us to come when we're burdened he intentionally describes himself as gentle and lowly like he's he's saying no i am humble of spirit and please like you're, it's not like walking into a job interview. You're not going to you're not going to put on the business suit to go to work. It's literally just come. It really is a come as you are because he is who he is, and I think just that that beautiful expectation of us seeing Christ clearly for who he describes himself to be as this humble, gentle spirit who intentionally has made himself lowly to, to be accessed by us
2: sinful people. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a beautiful picture because if you take it in the context of prayer. If I want to get my prayers right, it almost feels like because Jesus is so great, high, and king, which He is, I need to pray high mm-hmm. because that's where He is. Right. So I need to pray sanctified things. I need to pray good things and and faith-filled things. And and the invitation was to come uh, when you're weary and heavy-laden. And like you said, Vince, I am low. So if I'm coming and my heart is low my soul is low and that's where I'm entering into my relation or my conversation with Jesus. He's saying, I'm there, mm. I am high and mighty, you know, Isaiah talks about, I God is high, but he dwells with the lowly. Mm. And so Jesus is there. And so part of the, 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 the encouragement is not only the invitation, but you know, so maybe the fear is, what if I just keep coming low and I'm just stuck? And the encouragement in that John 15 passage we talked about earlier is it's not up to us. I'm just trusting that if I keep coming, my bringing my heart, bringing my heart, that the spirit is going to move in me and begin to reshape my heart, begin to reshape what I'm seeing, begin to move. And it may take some time, but, that, but what's first required is just the entry into the game. It's just bring it and mm. keep coming. Good. Love it. Man, I, I one thing I
0: love about talking to you in particular is I feel like as I, so me growing up in the church and, you know, so much so of my relationship with God sometimes gets into these like, okay, I got to do this and then I got to do this and I got to do this. Mm-hmm. And and that's, that becomes like how I identify my relationship with God. And, and obviously I know none of us would disagree that discipline and rhythms and things are not important. They are. But I love that so often when we really get to the heart of the gospel the heart of Jesus, it's just like, hey, just have like deep in your relationship with him, like just run to his arms, just he is the sort of king that is there next to you. And I didn't. I, I don't know. That just—it always overwhelms me about the gospel, about Jesus, that we have. Yeah. Like, like this is the answer for us always. Like, the answer is not okay. Make sure you do all these prayers the right way. Although Jesus has prayers for us to pray, but that, man, the heart of it is run to Him, run to His arms. And so, thanks for that encouragement, John. I think that's super important for our church and for me. And in this season where some of us are feeling bogged down, it's like, man, just simply figure out what it means to bring those burdens to to god in whatever way you can so mm-hmm. uh, let me let me ask this i think we've already touched on this question a good amount but with all that in mind are there any other practices of prayer and i sound like i'm contradicting myself here but prayer as relationship with christ but are there any practices of prayer right now that that you think the church should should take advantage of as a way to run into god's Arms and his embrace. Is there anything that you haven't mentioned already?
2: Well, as I mentioned, I think lament is, is one definitely okay. that's appropriate for such a time as this. Um, I think the practice of, um, you know, when, when I did that training out at your church uh, last year, mm-hmm. uh, we talked about using prayer cards. It's just a tool, a way of being able to kind of stay in the game, yeah. knowing that God is writing a story. So, uh, when we pray into something just because it's on our hearts, what we don't realize is we see one piece of a much broader story that God is writing. So yes, I'm praying about my job and it is about my job, but there's a story that God is writing about my job that is interconnected with not just my job, but my heart and people at my work or whatever it is. And so how do you stay engaged in that? And that's where I think whether you use a prayer card or whether you use a journal or something, there's a sense of, of being able to kind of ask uh, and continue to, to go back to those things and wait and watch because mm-hmm. he's not done yet. He's still at work. And this is an unusual, and it could be a, a, a relatively long chapter of a story, depending on what you're praying about.
1: Yeah.
2: Right. Um, and so there is something I, I take hold what we're describing right now, I guess, Anthony, whether no matter what tool you use or whatever, is uh the practice of waiting on the Lord. Mm. And waiting is not just this passive, like, okay, I'm gonna sit here for the next you know month and I'm just gonna wait and do nothing. No. Waiting is is I'm I'm staying active, I'm staying engaged, but I'm waiting and watching to see what the Lord is doing so you know I, I joke that at waiting biblically is a military term in the old testament when they talk about it's uh this soldier has his eye and ear and attention on doing what he's supposed to be doing digging ditches or whatever building that but he also always has an eye and ear attentive to the voice of the commander so at any given moment he's watchful he's kind of aware and he's able to see and do whatever's next or whatever yeah. and that's kind of a picture of what watching or waiting on the lord looks like in prayer mm-hmm. we go in our daily lives we're doing our things in front of us but in our prayers and our whatever tools we use there's a watchfulness and so oh today nothing happened but i'm gonna i'm gonna watch again tomorrow i'm gonna ask again tomorrow about this job or the situation or this relationship and there's a there's a there's a hopefulness that he's he's not done yet mm-hmm. and He's, wow. he's kind of at work. And so, you know, you guys have heard me say before a lot of the times in those situations, we don't lack faith, we just lack patience. Mm. So I asked today. I asked this week. Nothing seemed to happen.
1: Yeah.
2: Well, he's, he's, it's not just about his direction, but it's also trusting in his timing.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: it may take longer than we think. Yeah. Right. Wow. That's, oh, good. that's really good. Oh, the other thing is that the encouragement is is I hold on to the promise amongst many, in the, in the Old Testament that says those who wait on the Lord shall not be put to shame. Mm. No, okay. that's really good.
0: Well, thanks, John. Let me let me ask just one last question. I know we had some other questions on there, but for time's sake, I'm just going to ask one more. And this question is a bit of a bit of a pivot, but I think. Uh, if I didn't ask this question to someone who works for c jesus i would be <laughs> remiss but what's what, true what, for you in this season what's something about jesus that or not even just this season but just in the last few months what about jesus has been sticking out to you in particular and this question is purely selfish and i just want to gain from your uh, <laughs> insights and view into who jesus is
2: yeah you know and i've heard different article read different articles or different um messages or things that we're talking about in jesus's day and age everything that we're facing is very similar in some ways no different
0: Mm.
2: so um pandemics uh, uh, uh polarized politics uh racism i mean all all those things were very much in a yeah. very chaotic way in jesus day and age it's just that they didn't have TikTok tock and, and instagram to you know broadcast it all out or right. whatever right. um so in many ways jesus was living in a world that was just as chaotic as ours may appear right now yeah and what i, I i'm kind of fascinated by is that um i can't remember which scholar that described jesus when they said, what's one word you would use to describe Jesus? And he said, relaxed. Hmm. And that was kind of an odd (laughs) answer. (laughs) What was that? Tony G said that. Tony G G is always relaxed. He had always said, Jesus was
1: (laughs) relaxed. (laughs) Yeah,
2: yeah, I'm going to quote that. Um, It was either either N.T. Wright or Tony G. I can't remember. But um, (laughs) the comparison is often there. Classic. Yeah, you know, what's the difference? But I I think it wasn't that Jesus was aloof, it wasn't that Jesus was disengaged with the world, it wasn't that Jesus was disengaged with people. He was very aware of what was going on. He was weeping when he should be weeping. He was engaged with people that the society overlooked. He was calling out those who were in charge for the things that they were not doing that they should be doing. Mm But relaxed I think meant that in the midst of all of that, there is a sense of being, and this goes all the way back to our first question, he was not necessarily rooted in himself or rooted in Christ, but he was, he was in his father. Uh, and so as long as he, and he says this in John 5, 19, I only see and do what I see my father uh, doing and saying and doing. As long as his father was pleased, he was at ease in his heart. Yeah. No matter what he was doing, no matter what he was saying, and there was a that that that's what they meant when they were just saying he. There was a relaxed sense he was in the Father, and so going back to our first question, it's like if I could be like Jesus, it would be to be in Him, and it doesn't mean I'm you know not feeling certain things or d- devoid or detached from the world. It just means uh, no matter what, I, I just want to remain in Him. So going back to that conversation I mentioned to you that was very difficult uh, last week where it was very uh, contentious that was my prayer lord help me to remain in you mm-hmm. um not be dis and, and the second prayer was help me to listen well so I'll help me to stay engaged but as i'm engaged help me to be uh not rooted in what he is saying or not saying to me no and um the weird thing is the first 20, 20 minutes of that conversation, I had the spidey senses going off like crazy, agitation, anger, just irritation. And about 20 to 25 minutes into the conversation, uh, as I'm praying this as in, in my head, there was, uh, I'm still engaged, but there's this sense, I don't know how to describe it, but there's this sense like the spidey senses all went off.
0: Hmm.
2: And I was just at, at rest in him so i'm still talking i'm still you know engaging but it's like and it's, an, it's not a, it's not aloof or detached it's just i'm in you and so therefore i can be patient when i need to be patient i can absorb when i just need to absorb uh, i can speak truth when i need to uh, it was a it, yeah and so I, that's what i would love to see in us because that's what we see uh, in jesus wow and jesus is in me
1: yeah, yeah. this sounds amazing. Yeah, you know, yeah, <laughs> and is. I think some of it is even that's so good to hear you share that because it seems like we just need a a recharacterization of relaxation, you know, because I think we've, we've established it as you know, it's, if you're, especially you know, if you have kids, it's after the kids go down, it's the end of the day and you're in front of Netflix, you know, like that's relaxation, um, you know, and, and that's, it's different than what we see in our Lord, you know, what was kind of giving Him and granting Him that peace yeah. to it's operated out of that way, you know?
2: Yeah, the way of redefining relaxed in light of that is, uh, it's not so much even inner peace as it's, it's being at rest. Uh, my soul is at rest in Him. And therefore I can operate uh, not only wisely, but even most lovingly in the midst of all kinds of different situations going on. Yeah,
0: wow, what a great answer.
2: Yeah, that was good. <laughs> that was, <laughs> that's good. Really, I mean, really, hey, I'm glad yeah,
0: I asked. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, hey, John, thanks so much. Uh, we'll we'll close this time. Would you just pray for us and pray for our church? I love uh, sure. I love hearing you pray as someone who's taught me a lot to pray. And so, yeah, would you just uh,
2: close us in in prayer? Sure, Lord, uh, I thank you for um, Vince and Anthony. Uh, I thank you for their, their congregation uh, up there in Flagstaff. Lord, it was a pleasure to be able to engage with some of the congregation, both um, in the training last year, as well as just preaching on a Sunday morning. And so uh, I, there, there's an affinity of heart, mm. uh, not just a familiarity, but affinity of heart for, for Flagstaff um, or Redemption Flagstaff. And so with that affinity, I just pray that the presence of you as the good shepherd uh, would be uh, profound and deep and personal in the midst of uh, some very unusual and trying times. Mm. And Lord, I I don't mean just high and mighty, but Lord, in the lowly times, in the lowly places, in the loneliness, uh, as people dare to bring their hearts to you, Uh, as they dare to take the risk of coming to you with all kinds of things, I pray that you would show and prove yourself good, that you would show your gentleness and your kindness, that when you are delaying uh, certain kinds of answers, that there would be uh, the revelation in due time of why but Lord, until that time comes, I pray that you would give endurance and hope to be able to persist, to remain, to abide. Lord, uh, thank you that um, the invitation is one that is uh, continuous. So it's like, oh, I didn't come today, and 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 I missed out. Lord, it's it's continuous. So would you allow uh, the people? And the church of, of redemption flags to have to be able to come, come openly, come boldly, come communally, and in doing so, I pray that you would be giving that rest that you so promise, and that you would also be giving a sense of not only wisdom but a sense of freedom uh, to be able to love others well through this season. And so, Lord, uh, I just pray that you would continue to move in ways that. Uh, I, I pray specifically that you would move in ways that would be absolutely surprising. Not would have been planned, not would have been preferred, but that you would pop up in the most unusual and unexpected places and ways. And in doing so, that there would be a delight uh, that your church would rediscover in you. So, Lord, we pray. And, and bless Vinny G. Lord, <laughs> thank you for their friendship thank you for their hearts. Would you uphold them as uh, under shepherds of of, of this flock? And uh, I pray that you would fill their cups, that it might overflow. And so bless them, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for this time. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.